0: It's November 4th, 1922, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, The Retrospectors. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of Tutankhamun, I think of that massive gold funereal mask, as if that big gold head is kind of him. But of course, you know, there was an actual flesh and blood person underneath that big <laughs> gold head. And that real person's body lay undisturbed for more than 3,000 years in the Valley of the Kings until this day in 1922, when the British Egyptologist Howard Carter dug out the first step of a staircase that led down to Tutankhamun's frankly blinging final resting place
1: and the day itself actually wasn't that exciting as it was as you touched upon the day that the first sign of the tomb was spotted and it mm. was spotted in you know, quite lovely serendipity after a water boy stumbled on what turned out to be the top of a buried staircase
2: my yeah. grandma's always doing that
1: Not uncovered a single tomb. If only she could discover
2: something of archaeological interest.
1: And of course, having spotted this the first sign of this long searched for tomb, Howard Carter promptly filled it back in again because he had an important patron, the Earl of Carnarvon, who had been funding this expedition for years. And so once they uncovered the set of stairs, the first thing he did was be like, quick, pile it all back on the stairs, cover them up until he can get here. Which he did three weeks later. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and Carnarvon had been funding this thing but was really losing patience because even though Carter was entirely convinced that he was going to find Tutankhamen somewhere, he'd been working for season after season and not finding anything. This was the last chance that he had. This was his very last season. And so fortunately, he found this thing. And And by the time Carnarvon got there, he had even more to show for it than he'd imagined. So he says, I mean, there was an official
2: kind of unboxing, if you will, <laughs> on November the 29th, but... I mean, I've seen speculation that uh, Carter entered secretly before that. I just think you would, wouldn't you? Like, if yeah. you, once you realize what it was, you've dedicated your whole life to Egyptology. You've stumbled across a pristine tomb of a king. Yes. Be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to wait for my financial backer to send <laughs> up, actually. We're going to do this officially. We're going to do it properly. No one looked down there. No, it's very easy just to, like, prize open the
0: door, but don't do that. We will wait. We were all going to wait till November the 29th. And that theory that uh, maybe Carter and Carnarvon had a little sneak peek that they treated themselves to is certainly backed up by the fact that uh, after he died... uh, when they were going through Carter's uh, personal effects, trying to um, determine what he could hand down to his family and so on, 18 undeclared objects from <laughs> Tutankhamen's tomb <laughs> were among the things that just happened to have been squirrelled about his, uh, his, uh, his we've house. we got things like that in the attic, haven't
1: we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, a few items were not going to be missed because there were over 5,000 objects that were ultimately documented inside the burial chamber. In fact, it mm. took the best part of 10 years to categorise them all some of the more unusual ones include the oldest intact trumpet in history a bronze trumpet which was which was played for the listeners of BBC radio in 1939 but they don't That's do that brilliant. anymore because one that they did there were two and they blew on one and it just shattered and they were no. like oh, let's not blow on any more trumpets let's oh. just imagine what they sound like
2: imagine destroying a 3000 year old horn instrument <laughs> it's not cool. for the sake of like <laughs> entertainment uh,
1: also 130 walking sticks Tutankhamun is believed to have been lame He had a lot of health problems Because his parents were brother and sister And apparently his underwear A big pile of linen underwear neatly folded
0: As well as just fascinating stuff Like ancient, ancient meat and chickpeas And all of these like edibles were down there I've got some um, of those at home well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure in my mum's cupboards we've got some things from BC uh, <laughs> that need to be rooted out. Doesn't matter um, which one, that's true. The chickpeas I'm sure you could still eat, yeah. maybe less so the loaves of bread and meat products. But yeah, there was just this absolute treasure trove and that really not only inspired interest in Tutankhamun himself, but just had this thing that took off in the 1920s of Egyptomania, where people got massively interested in everything to do with Egypt and it became to be a fashion trend mm. and a design trend, as well as a, a moment of archaeological interest.
2: Yeah, when when you say everyone, you mean people in Britain and America, basically, don't you? Because it's not as if people in Egypt weren't interested in their sure. own history, is it? that's true. But, it's, <laughs> it, but isn't the interest, like, basically here, it was all about Greco-Roman stuff, wasn't it? That's the shift, really, is mm. that when when Tutankhamun got discovered, it was kind of like,
0: oh, yeah, Egypt's quite cool as well. Look at the pretty colours. And also, I think that because of how gilded everything was, suddenly the Egyptians were seen not just as these amazing designers and artists but also the wealth suddenly became hugely apparent.
1: And aside from the craze for Egypt it also launched a bit of a fascination with archaeology. I don't think we'd have Indiana Jones without this image of Howard Carter you know looking through his little peephole into the tomb and Mm. seeing all of the the gold and jewels arrayed in there.
0: Yes and Carter as well was not traditionally trained as an archaeologist. He'd gone out there as a very young man to capture the tombs as they were uncovered as an artist. He was a really good artist. And then he'd kind of fallen on hard times and had been unemployed for a while before he fell in with Carnarvon. And that was what kind of launched him again and got him to the stage where he was excavating uh, in the Valley of the Kings.
1: Yeah, but he had risen quite high in the Egyptian Antiquities Service. And then there was this thing called the Saqqara Fair in 1905 where a group of visiting French tourists had clashed with a group of Egyptian sentries who were posted to guard some of these tombs and it had got quite violent and it turned into an international incident and because Carter sided with the Egyptian tomb guards he resigned but it sounds like he was basically pushed out of the service so he returned to the UK and he was Mm. selling watercolours until he was sort of Mm. started the second act as a freelance archaeologist for the Earl of Carnarvon.
2: It seems extraordinary now from this vantage point, doesn't it, that you wouldn't side with the Egyptian tomb guards I mean, just think about that (laughs) sentence for a bit I mean, like, the whole thing of kind of like, robbing a grave anyway is weird, but You know, it Mm. was Egypt's antiquity to deal with, wasn't it? It's so extraordinary that all these Brits and French just went over there and were like, oh, look, I've got a body. I mean, they didn't even, you know, in the 18th century, people didn't seem to have any reverence that it was a dead body at all when they brought a mummy home. I've seen examples of autopsies being done at the Royal Society and stuff in London. There's a mummy that's listed in the 1730s in their archive under the heading of coins and things relating to antiquities rather that they had a category for parts of human bodies and it wasn't there. They just didn't think it was weird to like take a mummy back and then unwrap it in
0: front of loads of people and go, oh, look at its lungs. Yeah, play its trumpet. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose in those early days of archaeology things were much less respectful. It wasn't all brushes and trowels. You were blowing through anything that didn't interest you with dynamite. You just Mm. kind of blow up the entrance (laughs) until you found the meaty or goldy bits.
1: I was kind of surprised at how early tombs started being explored. I guess it makes sense that people did just stumble across some of the less well-hidden ones. But in my head, it's sort of a late Victorian, culminating with Howard Carter kind of a thing. But the earliest reports we have of mummy curses, I was looking into this, you know, the whole, we'll move on to the curse thing. I'm sure but I was looking inevitably but the earliest (laughs) tales of mummy curses date from the late 1600s there was sort of this theme of like people who disturbed mummies being haunted by images of the dead until you know the mummy was thrown overboard or you know whatever well apparently
0: Carter according to one of the versions of the mummy curse that I read was inspired by this old idea of mummies being cursed to try to actually get tourists to step the heck back and leave them Uh, alone while they did their excavations by saying anyone who comes in here is going to suffer from the mummy's curse. That was then fanned by the fact that Carnarvon died in circumstances that were initially at least regarded as mysterious not too long after uh, all the work on uh, Tutankhamun's tomb began. In actual fact, his death is relatively explicable given his uh, long-term ill health and the fact that he uh, was bitten by a mosquito and got a really bad infection.
2: <laughs> and also Carter himself didn't die for 15 years. Right. Yeah. yeah. So to, to, we should be clear. So people say there was a curse of the mummy because everyone who stepped into Tutankhamun's tomb shortly afterwards <laughs> contracted some terrible illness. But the, the, like the guy <laughs> yeah. that everyone yeah. talks about and the water boy who discovered it, right. they're fine. I mean, yeah. that immediately oh, well, sort of disrupts that theory, doesn't it? Don't, don't forget,
1: Ollie, that one of Carter's assistants and his secretary would die several years later in unrelated circumstances. <laughs> Breaking
2: news. Everybody from 1922 is now dead. Tomorrow. A fleet of 900 ships. Now, I would have thought in 13th century warfare that would have been sufficient. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.